The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Thank God it's Friday. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We have got so much football to talk. We'll be NFL heavy today. And are you adopting Tampa with their Husker connection? We can spend some time on that. Harbaugh back at Michigan. Urban in Jacksonville. Maybe. And uh, we'll get through it all. Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Going to spend some time with us here in about 20 minutes or so. The Pride of Fairbury makes his 2021 debut. Bill Dolman with NBC Sports in one hour. An extended sit-down with Rick Pizzo. Big Ten Buffet get his take on the Buckeyes, on Bama, on Harbaugh, on Urban, on Husker Hoops, on the Big Ten Buffet, basketball, power rankings, all of that coming up in hour two. Find us and follow us on Twitter. Do so at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. You're stuck with me all night because I have basketball locally here over on KFOR at 720 tonight. Coach Brian Spitschka, Coach Alex Baugh, two great dudes and super talented coaches and, um, yeah, Pius and Southwest tonight. So I'll have that around 7.30 with Coach Jeff Smith, the Hall of Fame coach for Southeast. So headed there tonight, but uh, football on our mind today. So this is interesting. As we get into some NFL and and talk a little bit here about Tampa with Khalil Davis on the roster and, and Dominican Sue still murdering people in a good way. And uh, Levante David, a uh, really cool story from from SIP and the Journal Star, and he caught up with Mike Eckler. And so Elijah's like, dude, can we get can we get Levante on? I'm like, sure, Elijah, I'll get right on that. I will I will get right on that, sir, because he's not getting ready for a road playoff game. Tom Brady's probably not tyrannically doing a walkthrough right now as we speak in our nation's capital. I, I love your 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 energy to say, hey, bro, why, why don't you get Levante on? I didn't mean today. <laughs> well, he didn't say, no, not today. Listen, we, and this is absolutely chest beating and, and uh, name dropping like some a couple of a-holes here, so indulge us for two seconds, but we've been lucky. We've been really lucky over the years with Levante David, and just an awesome dude, phenomenal linebacker. This goes back years because of when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, we were able to do Big Ten Media Days, the the first rodeo, right? It's in this plush 
set up in in Chicago in downtown Chicago, like op, you know, next to Oprah, it almost uh, felt like the uh, where the the hotel and and Big Ten Media Days were set up, and it was year one in Nebraska, and Bo brought Levante as one of one of the three players. Which was great. And Levante sat down. It was great. There's a picture of me with just two chins, and and uh, no mustache sitting down with Levante, and it was it was awesome. And then Levante, before he went to the draft, did, a, did an autograph uh, show here in Lincoln, and he he kind of jumped on. I think it was in February before the draft, and been able to keep in contact once in a while over the years. I don't text the guy. But there's just people you got to go through to, to get a hold of him. Uh, and, and, and now, I mean, he's been a multiple-time All-Pro. He's been a Pro Bowler. But he's going to be the guy that gets into the Hall of Fame with far fewer Pro Bowls or All-Pros next to his name. I was looking at the Pro Bowl list today. Nothing against the linebacking core. But the, the three linebackers that are listed aren't better than Levante David. And, and, and he was defensive player of the month in September. He's awesome. Now, one of his teammates got, got the nod in Tampa as one of the three linebackers for first team. But Levante David, you want to talk about a, a guy that was kind of a tweener, right? I mean, he went to Miami Northwest. He goes to has an option to go to Tennessee State, goes to JUCO. Uh, Nebraska lands him, and he's incredible. And he was so good here. And he's been so amazing in the NFL. Really special player. And I've, I've tried to catch as many uh, Tampa games this year. Just It's not the Brady thing. They've just been on more, right? Because you, you have Brady there. You have Bruce Arians down there. And he's he's a party. And he's really a, a good football coach. Sue, re-upping. And, and of course, you, you've got Khalil Davis and Jason Light, uh, Nebraska Nebraska man that's the GM down in Tampa. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of Husker or Nebraska connections down there. So, from an adoption standpoint, I'm still a Dolphins fan. I just don't wear the teal that well. I, I am adopting Tampa. I want to see them do their thing. I think from, a, from an awesomeness standpoint, I think a Green Bay-Kansas City Super Bowl would be a lot of fun, a lot of points. And it'd be miraculous. Rodgers is playing at such a high level. I don't know that Tampa can get it done this year. I just, I don't think, I think they'll get out alive okay against Washington. I just don't see anyone beating Green Bay. And and maybe New Orleans gets back to full strength. Seattle's scared me. We'll spend more time on the NFL, but I don't know. Uh, Who have you adopted or who are you adopting since Denver is watching? For me, it's Josh Allen and the Bills. So you, so you're big on Buffalo, okay? Bills Mafia. Bills team is fun. They've been bad for so long. Um, I just want to jump through some tables and go support Bills Mafia. Would, <laughs> so I know if, how. if I could arrange a a road trip for you to Buffalo, would you jump off a minivan onto a table? Only if the table's on fire. If it's a burning <laughs> oh, table. So now we now we have prerequisites. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, if I'm going to be in Buffalo, I'm going to eat some wings and I'm yeah. going to jump through some tables. Okay. It's, okay. It, when in Rome, do as the Romans. Sure. And are you going to visit Niagara Falls on the way there? Mm, it's real close. I mean, 
I could like make my own like Niagara Falls the tailgate with like some beer. With beer, yeah, well, that'd be cool. That's how I'm gonna work up the motivation to okay. jump off the okay. table. Obviously, so you so you want to see Allen and Buffalo? Yeah, that's that's the team I'm. I gotta like have one AFC, one NFC. Harrison Phillips is obviously a Nebraska kid. There's the Nebraska connection that makes it okay to root for the Bills, and I like what Josh Allen's doing because he was kind of people were doubting him through two years, so it's it's cool to see him do this in, in year three. Well, Wyoming kid, man. I mean, not not kid, but played for for you know Wyoming and. Mm-hmm. Man, he's playing good football. They're fun to watch. They they are they're a good squad to watch. On the NFC side, I, I can't decide between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. I mean, and they're two almost favorites in the NFC this year. Um, but my roommate's a big Packers fan, so it would kind of feel wrong stabbing him in the back and supporting Tampa Bay because mm-hmm. he's gonna be watching all the games with me, you know. But all the Husker guys in Tampa Bay, like if it sets up, I'm not sure what the what the bracket looks like if it's possible for a Tampa Bay Green Bay uh, NFC Championship game. I'm not quite sure because they changed up the playoffs this year. Yeah, now. Uh, you have an extra team in. I'll say this. I mean, Levante still has some years to play. Tom Brady's 43. And Dominic and Sue just turned 34. And and Sue's had a good year. But, but Sue, when he wants to flip the switch, can go off. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, two years ago with the Rams, where Aaron Donald's incredible, but Sue pretty much won the NFC Championship game with his, let's go back to Texas, Nebraska, 9 type NFC Championship game where he had a couple of sacks and some TFLs. So uh, we'll get a little bit further into uh, the NFL playoffs. Jim Harbaugh is back at Michigan. This isn't really a shock, and we'll spend some more time on it with, um, with Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network here in an hour. But Ward Manuel... Uh, announcing today that uh, an agreement has been reached. A contract extension is there. It'll be effective January 11th through 2025, so a four-year extension for Harbaugh. Pretty sure that number drops down to $4 million, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it makes sense. Harbaugh had been making $8 million with incentives, you can get back up to $8 million. I don't know uh, how much Ohio State influences in the Jay, Ira, and Nikki Harris family that helped put this deal together, right? Um, no, in all seriousness, Ohio State fans are like, sure, sign him to a lifetime deal. Uh, but in all, listen, Harbaugh's record at, at Michigan is fine. It's not what it needs to be against ranked teams. He's 49 and 22, 34 and 16 in the Big Ten, three 10 win seasons, five bowl games. Uh, you've been to the New Year's Day six, three times. Okay. And they had a, a really, really good season, I think, in 17. Does that ring a bell? Where they, they just lost in a tight ball game in the Orange Bowl to Florida State. They lost on a bad spot. Who is that kid? They had the do-it-all guy on defense. Uh, He's in Cleveland now. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Number, he was number five. He would like do everything for their defense. He got the yeah, he, he was the he was the hybrid. Yeah, he was like the heart and soul of that 2017 mm-hmm. team. Yeah, they were they were phenomenal. And if I could spit out his name, it's not Bush, but it's uh, I know it was like the reincarnation of Charles Woodson. Long and short, you're not going to find. Oh, Jabril Peppers. Yeah, Peppers. You're not going to... Look, listen, you could go make a phone call to some coaches that are out there. But Harbaugh's pretty good. Harbaugh needs to be better. 
and quite honestly, there's zero leverage for him in the NFL. Maybe he was intent on getting back to the NFL and floated his name out there. Maybe there was some genuine interest. He's a former Charger. That job is open. Uh, Of course, Detroit's just down the road, right? Uh, Do you take the Detroit job? I think Harbaugh's like, look, man, I want to beat Ohio State. I want to get this program back to the way it was when I was playing here and we were ranked number one. And, And I think ultimately that won out. Now, the buyout is not even close to what a normal buyout should be. And, and that is a bit of a warning sign to me where you better kind of step up and start winning some ranked games and you better start competing better against Ohio State. Yeah, the, when I look at just what's in this deal, um, the, the numbers and just it makes sense for Harbaugh because when I see this deal, I assume that Harbaugh is taking it because he loves Michigan. Truly. He, he's I don't think he has anywhere else to go. I think that's a strong part of it too. I mean, he's the Michigan alumni and he is going taking a lesser salary, betting on himself, saying I can go and hit these incentives. I can make my money back. If Michigan wants to buy me out for less, so be it. I like being here. And I think he's saying, I don't think that they can find anyone better than me at the moment. Well, the other part of this too is, is him being secure in himself to, and and recognizing the situation, especially Mm -hmm. the state he's in Michigan with the pandemic, with uh, how ravaged the, the economy is in parts of Michigan, you're still making $4 million a year, and you were making eight. So I think he gets it, and, and $4 million's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's 50%, but it's still 50% of a lot. And I think, I think he gets that, that he needs to perform better to command that type of salary. It, it's, it's such a different world now from when they went and, and went hard after him and brought him back. I thought the thing that would help Harbaugh, Harbaugh hit the exit wasn't necessarily his ADs had his back. But I, I think the, the president there that's kind of a puke at Michigan really was wearing. Now, Harbaugh's made this real easy for the athletic director. Jim, we want you back. We, we appreciate you being here. But we got to make some adjustments here, and I think I think Jim understands that. Now, am I a huge Harbaugh guy? Uh, no, I respect him. I think he's a good coach. I think Michigan's close to being. Listen, Michigan's always been eight and four, nine and three, ten and two, right? They they have had one undefeated season. They've had two in in sixty years. So while their consistency under Schembechler and their history is marvelous. They've not been Ohio State elite, Clemson elite, Bama elite ever, really. I mean, they, they had 1997. And, and I'm not knocking eight and four, nine and three, but that's kind of where they are. That's what they've been. And they've not gotten quarterback right under him, which is shocking. And I think he had good quarterbacks at Stanford. I think he did a hell of a job finding Andrew Luck out of Houston. But that was supposed to happen more times than not. And I think he made a big mistake with uh, maybe not letting the quarterback race for McCaffrey play out. Milton looked good early and then just imploded. He, he's, he's in Nebraska and Michigan are a lot alike where these guys, Harbaugh, Frost, both really, when, when they can get it right with their personnel, their offenses are fantastic. Harbaugh's been trying to figure out 
what he wants to be on offense for a while. And I think push comes to shove, he'd love to, to line up in an I formation and, and slam it down. The reality is to attract great skill players and, uh, and, and some of the athletes to Michigan, you better have a, a fun, sexy offense to sell. Wins sell of themselves, yes, but you've seen hard, you, you've seen Michigan just dancing. And and listen, he could go back to the pistol with what he had with Kaepernick and be really dynamic there. But he's not had the quarterback. And and I look at Andrew Luck, I look at Kaepernick, right? I look at Alex Smith. I mean, he's worked with a lot of good quarterbacks, but he's he's always made the right call at quarterback before he got to Michigan. We haven't even gotten to, to Urban Meyer. We'll get to Urban Meyer here in about 20 minutes as he's spending time in beautiful and scenic Jacksonville. As uh, he is going to be down in, in Miami for BTN's coverage with Coach uh, DiNardo and uh, that crew. Does he uh, make the jump to the NFL? Derek Peterson's up next to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Happy Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Rick Pizzo is an hour away. Big Ten Buffet on a Friday. Bill Dolman coming up. We welcome in Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at uh, uh, at uh, Dr. Petey HV on Twitter is where you find him. Check out his podcast. Get to the Herdent. Uh, landing page. He heard at media has so many awesome podcasts to check out. Of course, the uh, varsity club, one of the OGs, man, it's uh, such good stuff. Derek Peterson sat down with Greg Smith today. We welcome in Dr. Petey. Derek, what's good? How's your Friday? Well, I turned 26 on Sunday, yes. which is basically 30, which is basically 40, which is basically 50. So I think I'm justified in closing out every evening uh, from this day forward, or I guess from Sunday forward, with a cigar and a glass of whiskey, I think that's socially acceptable for me now. You know, I, I knew your birthday uh, was coming up. I gave you a birthday shout-out on KFOR this morning. I didn't know it was 26, but, brother, I would love to be 26 again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I didn't have a year 25, so maybe no. I should just say it's 25 part two. No, I know. Give me the 2.0 version. So what are you doing for your birthday? Are you going to go buy some cigars? I mean, I can I can help provide the whiskey. <laughs> oh, I have so much whiskey. <laughs> um, Re- what are my really? Gifts? You haven't invited us over in a while. <laughs> One of my Christmas gifts actually was a, a bottle of Jameson um, that is infused with cold brew um, that I am very excited about. And uh, I have cracked it open once and tried it a little bit, and it was fantastic. And uh, I've kind of been cycling through some of the other stuff and haven't come back to it yet. Well, you, you cycle through. Give me a, a, a give me a, 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 a shot of well, give me a shot of your Jameson, but give me a shot of what you have uh, to choose from from a, from a whiskey standpoint. That'd be that'd be all all good, man. Uh, so, uh, if you were gonna if you were gonna put Bama as a whiskey, you have. And Ohio State as a whiskey you have. Let's do that Pepsi challenge right now. Uh, Bama is uh, is what brand of whiskey, and, and Ohio State is what brand of whiskey? Jeez. Um, okay, I have... Jeez, I don't know. I mean, I have Crown Black, which is like one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess that would be like the the odds on favorite when I'm okay. going and kind of picking off the show. So that would probably be Bama. Um, okay. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. I have a bottle of 10 year Masterson's. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say that because Ohio state has been dominant in the last 10 years, then they would be the Masterson. That works well. That work the okay. wheel, the wheels are turning for Elijah on, on, you know, where to go with this, this whiskey weekend. So, with Nebraska football, you know, cheers to Cam Taylor Britt, JoJo Doman. They are they are back. If you're to if you're to circle the next announcement, if you're to predict who the next guy is to stay, who is that? And who's who's the next piece Nebraska needs to come back? On defense. Yeah, it would be on defense. Um I am kind of firmly on record and uh, thinking that I don't know what the the benefit is to Dedrick Mills for coming back. Sure. Um, I I think I think it's it's better than. Well, I think it's likely um, that they will get one of those safeties back, um, which would be big. Sure. So, like, if if you talk about their secondary last year. Um, you know, somebody like PJ Flex that was one of the best secondaries in the conference, right? And we kind of expected them to be the strength of the team. Um, and you know, from a from a pass defense standpoint, it wasn't it wasn't elite, but those were three seniors and, and Cam Taylor Britt who obviously has legitimate um, NFL career, um, NFL ceiling. So for you to be able to, you know, they got Miles Farmer snaps, not a ton of them, but they got him snaps. They got him some opportunities. They got Quentin Newsom snaps and opportunities. If you're able to bring two of those four DBs back, um, you know, we've already we've already heard that Boodle is is moving on, still waiting for announcements from um, just Nuke and Deontay Williams. If you're able to get one of those, and then pair that with Deontay, and then pair that with JoJo Doman. Uh, who I think, you know, Greg and I talked about this on my podcast, kind of in agreement that JoJo and Cam Taylor-Britt are, are probably their best playmakers on defense, probably their best players overall on defense. Um, if you're able to get one of those safeties back, you know, just kind of focusing on Deontay, I think Deontay Williams um, had, was robbed kind of of uh, a breakout season for him. Um, when you talk about the 2019 season, he gets a half, and I thought, I thought he was going to grow into um, their best player defensively in that 2019 season, and, and I know I was not alone in thinking that. Um, I kind of projected like a Mo Berry 2018-ish breakout for him, um, and then and then he loses the season, and he's trying to work his way back from injury, and he's trying to get back into the flow of things, and then he's got the targeting issue that he had to deal with, and then it's just you know kind of up and down um, all season long. If if he's back. Um, I think it's it's a huge thing for their defense, but you know, they're they are they're kind of weird, right? Because they're going to return every outside linebacker um, with Jojo back now. They're going to return almost all of the defensive line uh, that played significant snaps last year. They got Cam. 
you know, you, you think that that defense can continue to, to take steps forward, which is what it's done each of the last three seasons. Um, so, you know, if we're, if we're projecting guys, I would think one of those DBs, um, which I think would probably be the most important spot because you can kind of um, work around, you know, an inside linebacker if Will Honus decides it's time to move to the next level. You know, you've got Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich just kind of waiting there in the wings. And then, you know, Mateva, um, Ba, Marvin Clemens. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Honus, if, they get, if they get Honus back, I think that's it is, as good as Henrik uh, came in and played against Rutgers. I mean, I, I think he's fantastic. I think Snodgrass can be really good. But if you well, get, Henry, uh, Honus for two years has been one of their best defenders. I know, and quietly but, one of their best defenders. But he looked fast and he just crushed people. I mean, he was so yeah. so physical against yep. the top of the, the 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 cream of the crop. I mean, he he beat the yep. hell out of people against Ohio State. So if you can get Honus back, I think that's huge. And I mean, I haven't seen an announcement from Stilly of you. I mean, I, I would think he might be thinking about coming back. Yeah, he's a. Um, Nebraska kids, so you know it means a lot to him, and, and I'm yeah. sure that it's kind of weighing on him. Do I come back for it'd be his sixth year? So it's you know, do I do I want to continue with this program and continue with with this coaching staff who he loves and they love him, um, or you know, is it just is it just time to move on? And, and that's you know, that's kind of the hard part with a lot of these decisions is like, do you want to continue with school? Yeah, the thing with Stilly is it's the same as Mills. Is he's 24 years old now. I mean, he feels like he's just been here forever, Ben Stilly. Um, so if, yep. he, if he does decide to move on, do you have faith in the guys behind him? Are you high on any of the guys along that D-line that got a few snaps this year and maybe could get an increased snap load next year should he leave? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Ty Robinson is obviously a guy that, that they are hoping, um, expecting is probably too strong, but hoping turns into a star for them, takes that next step for them. Thought he played well last year. A guy like Casey Rogers, um, who has just steadily grown and developed, can be really good for them. Um, we saw it last year. Damian Daniels really took a step forward. And then, you know, you, you think about the guys that, that – or the guy that kind of played sparingly, kind of spot throughout the season, Jordan Riley. Um, they're still really high on him. He's a huge guy. That'll help. And then, you know, one guy that, that they really liked in camp – um, that kind of had a lot of buzz in camp. Masai Newsom, um, he's he's another guy that they have. You know, Tony Tuioti has done really well, kind of getting that room prepared. And then, you know, you've got the polar bear. Yeah. So like Nash is sitting I, there know, breaking things, waiting to get in. Right. Yeah. So like, if still he's back, awesome. Like he's been a he's been a de facto captain that hasn't been named a captain, but he's been a captain. Um, basically his entire time here just because of his personality, his temperament, you know, kind of his magnetism. Um, so it, if you get him back, great. He's also been pretty darn good on the field. But if you don't, like, they've recruited well enough on the defensive line. And I, and I, and I really like the way that Shenander and Tuioti have handled the defense through the first three years. I know Tuioti hasn't been here for all three of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you would suddenly feel bad if – he was gone. He'd love to have him back, but it's not like you know disaster if he leaves. Derek Peterson's with us. Hail Varsity.com and Magazine at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. Send him birthday wishes on Twitter. Uh, and we've got about a minute here. A thought on if, if you were to put a, a bet down on who is best equipped or who would be your pick to succeed Mills. 
Who's the running back in the running back room that can step up after Mills? Um, it's so hard to project their running back room because I know even not D- a fair even question. Diedrich wasn't used, even Dedrick wasn't used a ton, and I know um, my colleague Greg Smith thinks that running back should be a position that they look at in the transfer portal. Um, and initially, I disagree with him because I think they have four really talented young running backs that that you want to see what you have in one of them at least. Um, I, I would think just based on usage last year, like Marvin Scott might be the guy that is next up. He just looks physically ready for it. And another year in the system, he should be fine. But like, you know me, I like my Oklahoma kids. Um, I think Savion is really yes, good do. and is going to be really good. So I'm curious what he is. Derek, just speaking of Oklahoma kids, you're the pride of Oklahoma. What do you think of uh, TJ Pledger out of Oklahoma? His name's in the transfer report. Do you think Scott Frost and uh, his staff make a run at him? <laughs> Um, another Oklahoma kid in the transfer portal that a couple of uh, Nebraska coaches followed pretty quickly. Um, maybe. Who? Who yeah. are the other two Oklahoma? Oh, the, the wide out? Yeah, Charleston Rambo. Okay. He'd be a grad transfer. Well, um, and he's got the best name in I football. Mean, Pledger, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pledger was a guy that Ryan Held was in on yes. um, when yes. he was coming Until out of high end. school. Yeah, very, very yeah. much so. So, Maybe. We'll see. But, well, but again, like I, I think it should. I think they should try to see what they have with their guys first. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Derek Peterson, Derek, pour some Crown Black, light that cigar up, enjoy number twenty five point two point uh, birthday, <laughs> and get yourself some ice cream cake, brother. I got some cheesecake. Ooh, better yet, uh, better yet, and wear that that, that West Brooker Katie OKC throwback. Have a day. Have a good birthday, bro. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Derek Peters is with us on Hale Larson. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. About 25 minutes away or so, Rick Pizzo's with us at 525, and we will have our uh, traditional Friday steak and a beer bet. Elijah's all in on Buffalo. That's his adoptive AFC team this postseason run. You know, I'm going to be like a lot of Nebraska folks and circle Tampa, see how far they can get with Sue and Levante and Khalil and GM Light. So I hope Tampa does well. I kind of like watching Tom Brady and, you know, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Gronky Kong. And they're fun. They're fun. And uh, they need to start beating some teams with winning records. They'll have a chance, aside from Sunday, to do so in the postseason. As far as the, uh, the AFC goes, Buffalo's fun. I liked Buffalo a lot better when they had Spencer Long and Searles on them, to be honest with you. Uh, Baltimore is probably my sentimental favorite because Sam Cook's on that roster. And that Baltimore team's gotten hot the last few weeks. Lamar, better. Lamar Jackson's turned it on. They're better, and they've been leaning on Dobbins, mm. right? You got Dobbins and Hollywood doing their thing offensively, and uh, it looks uh, a lot better. 466 
five eight six five numbers to get in. Who you're adopting uh, this playoff weekend? If you're a Chiefs fan or a Packers fan, obviously you don't need to adopt anybody. But if you're a Dolphins and a Donks fan, you're you're gonna watch. You know, Will Compton in Tennessee too. Tennessee's oh, yeah. Tennessee's a lot of fun to watch. Derrick Henry, in my opinion, he's not going to be MVP, but I think he's got a dang good argument. The sixth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards. I mean, there was a lot of people saying we'd never see a 2,000-yard rusher again because of the way the NFL was moving. Throwing the ball, yeah. And he went and did it this year, 2,000 yards, and he needed almost 250 in Week 17 to get it. He got 32 carries for 250. That dude... He's not going to win MVP, but in my personal opinion, he is more valuable to his team than any other person because he, he opens up the game for Tannehill. Well, think about how where's Tannehill really good? And you look at his touchdowns, interception numbers this year. I mean, 31, 32 touchdown passes, and, and Tannehill is deadly with play action, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is so good with the ball handling, the play action to Henry. They get a tight end or they get Davis or somebody gets open because of... The defender biting on the, the oh, Henry's getting it again. Oh damn! I got to tackle that guy that's breathing fire. And and Tennessee's offense is fun. It's throwback. It's physical. Joshua Kalu's on on Tennessee as well. The AFC just as a whole is going to be fun. I mean, oh, there's think about getting through the AFC to the AFC championship though. I mean, you're going to have to probably play. You're going to end up getting that. That's what kind of sucks is that Tennessee and Baltimore got to square off in round one. It's great and it's terrible. Uh, you have Buffalo there. I mean, I see five teams that. Do you I have think, much faith in Pittsburgh putting a run together? I mean, I, I think I, I do. I think there's five teams realistically that I could see in the AFC Championship game. I could see K- Kansas City is almost my shoe in for the. Yeah, the I mean, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City better with their offense and as good as they've been this year, they better. They should win it again, but, honestly. But then you got four other teams that all you would think think that they can make it to the AFC Championship game. And Buffalo thinks they can make it. Pittsburgh thinks they can make it. Uh, I would say Tennessee probably thinks they make it with... They made it last year, mm-hmm. and what's changed for them? Uh, I think Baltimore probably thinks that they can make it uh, with Lamar Jackson and their... If they turn it on at the right time, I think they can make it as well. Here's the question, too, and we'll dive into some Urban Meyer thoughts in Jacksonville if that happens. You look at windows, right? And, and Seattle played for two Super Bowls. They won one. They're better defensively. They, they've they've got uh, incredible talent, uh, game changing talent with the receiving core. And Russell's not getting any younger, but I think he really tried to go win an MVP as loose as he was with the football. Uh, I don't think the Rams are are out of the, their windows not closed because of how good their defense is. Okay, and I I mean th- their offense is dinged up. Okay, that's why it's not been so good. This is uh, the last rodeo, I think, with Drew Brees. But New Orleans showed the ability to win without Drew Brees. They're just not the same, right? They've been an injured football team as well. Tennessee made a really nice jump last year because of what they did in knocking off New England, how they did it. Now, do they get back to where they ended their season last year, or do they go out early? Is the window closing? Because Baltimore was your one seed. They got taken out, too, right? I mean, that's my my, my question here is, does, does this weekend kind of determine, does it close, not close, but does it kind of put push the window down? Does it make that window of opportunity smaller, which is so razor thin in the NFL anyway, 
for two really good teams the last three or four years. If you don't get to a Super Bowl or don't get back to a deep playoff run, man, is is the clock continuing to tick on what Baltimore has? Is the clock continuing to tick on Henry and this Titans offense? That's my wonder. And and one, you're you're going to get a knockout game early on this weekend. Philip Rivers. I mean, his clock is ticking. Big Ben is ticking. Uh, with their age, you got Jonathan Taylor at least to, to run the football with and a really good indie defense. I mean, that's not an easy game for Buffalo. No, it's it's not. And, and the thing about this season is with the changed playoffs, I'm interested to get your, your thoughts on the format. Because if I was, you know, the number two seed, I'd be angry that they got rid of the first two teams both getting a first-round bye. But from a neutral fan perspective, how much more exciting does this, this is make the awesome. playoffs? This is awesome. And, and you don't have... I mean, one team that didn't get in, and they had a chance up until last weekend to to handle their business, was Arizona. Because Kyler Murray and Hopkins and that offense and some of the defensive playmakers Arizona has, Arizona's going to be good for a while. They just didn't quite get it done this year. They finished 8-8 eight eight because their division's murder. San Francisco's got to figure out the quarterback spot, but they're they're really fun and talented to watch. And with with Washington, I mean, they are they are just so good at grinding. And Ron Rivera, what, yeah, what a his, job he has done. Well, yeah, his story has been awesome. And the guy battled cancer. He rang the cancer bell, kicked cancer's ass. He's been coaching. God love him. So Washington is, despite their ownership group and the, the clown show that's been on the Potomac, Ron Rivera was a great hire. You can't help but root for Alex Smith, right, with, with his comeback story. And, and Chase Young's fun to watch. I, I really don't, you know, Greg Smith and, and Danny Burke are both going to disown me, but I, I can't stand Chicago. I just can't. The Bears. And I hope New Orleans puts up half a hundred on them. What's your thoughts on Trubisky and his surge here at the end of the season? I, I think it's false. Well, yeah. I mean, they they put up some points, but when it comes of, of consequence, I mean, New Orleans is going to go off. <laughs> New Orleans is going to go off. Watch us come back Monday and go, yeah. yeah the and, and Cleveland's a nice story. I mean, Jano's there. They're so polluted with COVID that it's going to be tough. But I want to see this. I want to see this Cleveland experiment. One more year. Mm-hmm. Chubb's great. Callahan, whatever you think of him, the offensive line was really good for Cleveland. Uh, the weapons that Baker has, uh, Miles Garrett in that Cleveland defense. Cleveland was was fun this year. But Pittsburgh, that's a nice draw, right? Kidding. Cleveland's got time in their championship window, though. No, well, I, I know. You see coming to a close. Cleveland just starting up. We'll uh, wind down hour one on Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Spending time, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the pride of Fairbury. Bill Dolman is 10 minutes away. I want to tell you about your friends at West Blue Realty. WestBlueRealty.com is where you log on and uh, find the good folks at West Blue. And when I talk about West Blue Realty, uh, they are a, a group here in Lincoln 
They can specialize in residential home sales around the Lincoln community. They can also help take care of ag land wherever you're at in the state of Nebraska. Two guys uh, that really are incredible. Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402-540-3768 or... Give Kelly Hofschneider a phone call. He can make things work for you as well. 402-202-2312. It pays to work with WestBlueRealty.com. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. The man in blue passing away. Tommy Lasorda, a big part of my uh, baseball life growing up uh, as just a baseball fan. We loved George Brett. We cheered for the Royals. And then there was uh, this guy that did slim fast commercials uh, that, oh, yeah, by the way, was an incredible manager and ambassador to baseball. As much as a, a bandwagon A's fan as I was in the late 80s, when Gibby hit that pinch hit shot off of Eckersley and Tommy Kim Storman out of the dugout. 88 was a magical baseball season for the Dodgers, 88. And for that Dodgers team to take down Doc Gooden, Strawberry, what could have been a Mets dynasty in 88, they beat the the Mets. They trampled Oakland four games to one. And this is Tommy full of champagne afterwards way back in 88. Sorta rest in peace. Thank you for all you've done for the game of baseball. 93 years old. Tommy Lasorda passed away, had a heart attack, and he had been hospitalized since November, went home on Tuesday, had a heart attack and passed. He was able to be in the stands and see the World Series win this year by the Dodgers. They uh, claimed a championship in 81. They finally beat the Yanks. And I'll never forget like watching some old YouTube stuff and Reggie Jackson went, you know, Mr. October on the Dodgers in the late 70s where he hit three home runs and three straight at bats. And one reporter asked Lasorda after that game, and, and Lasorda was really pissed. He's like, well, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Reggie Jackson? And Lasorda just got that jugular to pop and that mean stare. Like, what do you think I think of, of Reggie hitting three home runs off of us? I mean, Tommy Lasorda was just incredible. Some of the footage of him uh, just going after the Philly fanatic, that was that was funny. But Lasorda is such a good baseball guy. Bill Dolman's done a lot with uh, the game of baseball, and he may have a Lasorda memory or story. But uh, did, did that hit your radar much, Elijah, with Lasorda? I mean, you knew the name, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure I knew the name. And uh you heard a little bit about him during like the World Series coverage yeah, this just, year, um, but a little before my time. It's kind of cool though. Get to go see some of the stuff he did. Uh, MLB today. Network did such an amazing documentary as they revisited the Dodgers' '88 championship run with Oral Hershiser, with Kirk Gibson, who's battling uh, ALS, and of course the the personality of Lasorda. Bill Dolman's coming up. Hour two on Hale Varsity.
Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman. We haven't talked to Billy D for a while. Bill, what's up? How are you, man? Well, it's nice to be back with uh, you. Uh, Happy New Year, and I appreciate the uh, suspension for being over. I've missed you guys the last couple weeks, and uh, sorry for what I said the last time I was on the air. There's no suspension handed down. I'm more interested in, and I saw this on on your Facebook posting, uh, that is quite a, uh, a, uh, a media setup when it comes to the still pick and photography of Bill Dolman uh, driving a brand new Jeep. Oh, I'm not driving it. I'm just eye candy again. That's, well, what I what the the I, the the commercial picture shows you and a blonde, and you're either heading to the mountains or looking for a, you know some original cores, whatever. But there's a beautiful red Jeep in the picture that Bill Dolman is pimping. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people when I posted, I think people thought, oh, Bill got a Jeep. Well, no, Bill didn't get a Jeep, but uh, Bill is yes, eye candy for a Jeep. Uh, so yeah, you know, kind of cool and kind of surprising when you see those things uh, pop up on the on the TV every now and then. Well, I need to to fake to, to take that picture so we can tweet it out because I've got the picture of you and the blonde chick on the bed <laughs> from the mattress commercial. <laughs> I've been in this business. I've been in the, the sports casting business uh, for over, yes. over thirty years now, and I think the thing that I'm most known for is curling. And uh, laying on a bed with a blonde. And, I, you know, those are two pretty good things. <laughs> That's so good. Bill Dolben's with us. Go get a Jeep. Go get a mattress and, and watch NBC Sports. So, Billy D., uh, a lot to get to. Uh, you know, you're a, a baseball connoisseur. You've covered uh, high-level baseball at different points in your career. And what's your reaction? Because, above all, man, you grew up as a Dodger guy. And Tommy Lasorda has... Uh, been called to the big dugout in the sky today. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's one of those deals where if, if you follow the Dodgers, and I think, you know, like, like most people in southeast Nebraska do, since there's so many similarities to southern Nebraska and southern California, which is why I'm a Dodger fan. You've got the Pacific Ocean and Crystal Springs and whatnot. So it's only a natural. Um, but I, you know, anybody who's followed, you know, Tommy in the last couple of years, uh, and the Dodgers, you know, you just kind of know it's it's inevitable. He'd been in ill health, so I think anybody who's been a, a Dodger fan and followed Tommy Lasorda from, gosh, the time when he took over for Walter Alston and was really kind of an unknown guy who quickly became one of you know the great ambassadors for baseball, um, you know, ever. Uh, you just kind of knew this was inevitable. It's still a sad day. There's no doubt about it. But you look back on a career that that spanned for so long as a manager, but then also for so long, as I said, as a baseball ambassador. And, you know, so I think even if you hated the Dodgers or or whatever, you still have to think fondly for all that Tommy Lasorda meant for selling the game for as long as he did, not just Dodger baseball. And we all, as Dodger fans, loved 
you know, the way he, he sold us, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was just a great ambassador for the game, and he helped, you know, usher um, baseball back into the Olympics, you know, that year, and they won the, uh, you know, they won the gold medal. And, you know, that, that, that was, a, I think, just a, a really neat way for him to kind of conclude his managerial career, if you will. So there was an inevitability uh, to it just because of the news of the last, you know, couple of years and the last couple of months. Um, but it's sad. But, boy, you, you look back on what I think most people would consider, you know, a life well lived. Bill Dolman's with us. NBC Sports, the pride of Fairbury, Hale Varsity Radio, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill going to go Nebraska here for a little bit. Kevin Steele is not going to be retained at Auburn. Uh, you have Auburn uh, making some changes that said, would it behoove Nebraska, and I don't even know if, if Kevin Steele to entertain this, would want this. Who knows? He's 62. He has been a monster architect for recruiting infusion, coaching, and talent development at Clemson, at Alabama, at Auburn, and, of course, at Nebraska. Was on Coach Osborne's staff from 90 to 94 before he went to Carolina as a, an NFL assistant. But would it behoove Nebraska to just make a phone call to the guy and see if he wants to retire, or uh, does he miss Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Well, I, I, the only thing that I, I can, well, probably not. I think it's a fun thing to think about it, and don't think. Bill, do we still have you? And when he was at Nebraska, I, I don't. I haven't talked to him. I follow him when we're friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. like. But um, I, I haven't really had any discussion, you know, with him since he was at Baylor. Uh, career uh, for so many years. I'm not sure if he's worked at every single SEC school that there is. Uh, if there's, if he hasn't, I'm sure there's a couple that probably uh, you know would you know would love to have his services. He's had a tremendous career as a defensive coordinator and certainly made a name for himself in the SEC. And I, I you know, I, I think Auburn missed the boat in not elevating him, and I think they're certainly missing the boat in not retaining him. And, because I've been kind of waiting to see what was going to materialize with that. Um, and I, I don't see him ever – I don't see him quitting, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son's in the business now, and there might who knows, there might be a, a, a day when they coach together. Uh, I think his son's at South Alabama or Arkansas, one of, the, one of those schools that, you know, has had a, got a young staff. But, you know, it, is, it, is it kind of fun to think about? Sure. But I – and, you know, just the Scott and – Kevin probably have some type of connection, you know, just from Nebraska, probably. But I, I just think that Scott's probably pretty loyal to his staff. And I, I, I kind of think that at 62, which just shocks me to think about, um, that he's probably, you know, settled in and wanting to be down south when sure. it's warm. <laughs> You know, he might take a defensive coordinator job at the Villages or something. Yeah. Can you give me a, a Kevin Steele impersonation when Kevin Steele would call Bill Dolman? Well, my favorite one, of course, is the one uh, the, the night that Tommy Frazier was coming to town, and I get a phone call from Kevin at about 1030 at night, and he says, Hey, Dole. Hey, Dole. Coach Steele. Need a favor from you. Okay. And what, the rest what, of was, what was the favor? Well, I've told the story before, but it always, you know, it bears repeating. Um, there, was, there was a kid from Florida that was coming in uh, to be recruited as a quarterback, and Kevin was leading the recruiting on, on him, and we'd all kind of heard about him. It was down to Nebraska and Clemson and Notre Dame. And 
And he says, hey, Dole, I need a favor from you. We got a, we got a kid coming in from Florida tomorrow. His name is Tommy Frazier. And I need a favor because if we get him, I guarantee you we'll win at least two national championships. So, uh, so that was 1030 at night. And I called uh, Jim Carmichael, the late and mm. wonderful producer, director at Nebraska ETV. And I said, all right, we got to do something. Kevin Steele wants us to go to Duncan Aviation to meet this plane tomorrow to meet this Tommy Frazier kid. And people knew about him. But he says, I need you to get there and make it look like the media, uh, you know, is all excited <laughs> about him coming to Nebraska. So I called, I called Carmichael. And, uh, you know, it's about 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, Jim was the producer of Cornhusker football and then Big Red Wrap-Up and uh, just a great guy and willing to do whatever. And, and Jim and I are really good friends. And so he got up and he went to uh, Nebraska ETV and he got this camera package. And uh, we went out to Duncan Aviation about 8, 30, 9 o'clock that morning. The plane that comes in and off steps uh, Tommy Frazier. And we met him on the runway and did an interview with him that um, – you know, one of the rules of the business is you don't, you know, shoot video with the sun behind somebody. Well, you know, Tommy was, we couldn't really see him. And, um, you know, I asked him about, you know, coming to Nebraska. Actually, I didn't even know if there was, I didn't know that there was even video in the camera, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it looked uh, good. <laughs> Videotape, yeah. And uh, uh, I actually found it um, when I was moving one of my moves. And it, I think it's on three-quarter inch video uh, videotape that I don't even know if there's even a three-quarter Put that thing on YouTube. Work, Put it on YouTube. Well, I don't know if it can be transferred over. I mean, uh. a three-quarter doesn't even exist. It'd be like trying to have a beta tape and trying to find something, or even these days trying to find a VHS machine. Right. But but nevertheless, uh, you know, Kevin wanted us to do this favor and uh, meet this kid named Tommy Frazier, and if, uh, he guaranteed that if he came to Nebraska, uh, the Huskers would win two national championships, and uh, lo and behold, uh, he was right, and uh, that was just a little... Uh, fun moment in uh, Nebraska football history and in the career of Bill Dolman, whatever happened to him. Bill, did... did but the video Ke- is somewhere in a box. That's good. Bill, did, did Kevin Steele cheat at cards against Tommy Frazier's mother? I wouldn't think so because he signed, but uh, who knows? I mean, that was one of the, that was the other legendary stories, too, was how he played cards with uh, Tommy's mom. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was... It all it all came about quick. He called like ten thirty, eleven o'clock. I was in my apartment, and uh, Jim and I met and got to Duncan Aviation. And here comes the plane, and here comes Tommy Frazier, and there goes Nebraska football. Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill, let's uh, switch gears and stay in the state of Florida. Urban Meyer conversations with Jacksonville. What do you think happens, and what's your your take on Urban Meyer in the NFL? Can it work? Will it work? And, you know, Jacksonville's situation with draft picks and salary cap, and they're not that far removed from success. But does Urban and his style work in the NFL? I don't know. I, you know, you think about great coaches who have made the transition, and, and, and not many have. But, you know, I suppose you look at Nick Saban. It didn't work out all that well for him at Miami. Um, and maybe Urban just has enough ego that he wants to go to Jacksonville to prove that he's – better than Nick Saban. <laughs> Literally, I, I think that that might be on his mind. Like, well, Nick couldn't do that, but I can, you know. Uh, that's just the way they kind of always operate. Um, I, I think it could probably – I think it might be able to work, but I – whether it happens or not, I, th- I think, you know, and I don't know Urban Meyer. Again, just kind of an observer, and I, I think maybe that there's a little bit of ego to this as well as, you know, I can – I'm better than Saban, and – uh 
you probably like seeing his name in the headlines right now and, you know, how much money he's worth and being able to, you know, whether he says yes or no, you know, Urban, Urban uh, promoted Urban. Mm-hmm. I think he's really good on television. And I, so I don't know why you'd want to get uh, mixed up into that. You know, they're talking $12 million a year. That's the last number, last number I saw. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got to believe he's probably not hurting for money. Uh, so again, I, I think this is a deposit in Urban Meyer's ego. Whether he takes the job or not, it's already mission accomplished. And unfortunately for the people of Jacksonville, you know they might get be, be you know get taken through the ringer right now. And the next thing you know, they're they're, they're talking to Adam Gaze. <laughs> you know, that's 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 the kind of thing. There or Houston Nut, who knows? Um, Al Saunders. Um, who's who's know. who's the guy uh, in Minnesota now? Mike Zimmer? Yeah, Zimmer was supposed to be here, too. Yeah, he was on, well, yeah, uh, that whole thing. So, uh, Spurrier? Yeah, Spurrier. So, I, I, I think that this, this is, a you know, at the very least an ego play. Is it a possibility? Sure. It sure it's a possibility, especially with Trevor Lawrence saying he's going to come out and Urban thinking, okay, I got, a, you know, I got a kid that might be a franchise quarterback here. But, uh, you know, it, if you've had health problems, and we're to believe that he has, you know, um, you know I, I don't know why you want to get mixed up in all of that. But Qu- question is whether his wife wants him around the house anymore or not. She, <laughs> I'm serious. Will she let him go coach? But, you know, but it, it's funny with uh, <laughs> with uh, Urban Meyer, the ego side of things and. Yeah, whether whether he uh, he makes the jump or not. Yeah, you just you go back to high, you know college coaches. I mean, Spurrier didn't work. I know? saw Spurrier with uh, with uh, the Shermanator uh, towards the tail end of or the early part, I should say, of Riley's last season, and and the Shermanator picked up uh, Spurrier from a hotel we were at doing a show, and I'm like, well, fi- you know, 15 years later, we finally found him, Bill. <laughs> I just don't know if it would work, and he's been. But he's a great coach. There's no question about it. Um, but it certainly has given a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of fuel right now for him in the in the lead up to the game, and uh, there probably will be for another week or so. Um, but I would think they got to make a decision here pretty quick as to what they're going to do, and I don't think he can string a, a hapless organization like Jacksonville along very, you know, very long. You know, look, you're going to go to Florida. There's no state income tax. You know, so you're going to have that benefit if, you know, you take $12 million. But he, he can't be hurting for money right now anyway. Bill, we, we got less than a minute left here, so i got to go quick. What? But while, less than a minute? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But while we're talking Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, you know where i got to go with this, and that's the national championship game on Monday. We've gotten confirmation that Ohio State's going to be flying out tomorrow. They're going to make it down to Miami. We should still have a game Monday night. So i got to ask you, who are you pulling for? Is it Ohio State or is it Bama? Well, I... I I think that was like neither, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not an Alabama hater, to be honest with you. Uh, never really have been. And it's, it's one of the teams that always intrigued me when I was growing up, you know, about college football, but you know, do we need to stand with our big 10 brother? Uh, okay. Um, and in part, I, I do feel a little pull to Ohio state more so than I probably ever had before because, you know, they did kind of step up when Nebraska was standing alone. And I and I respect that and I appreciate that and I you know so it's not necessarily one of those things. Well, they're in the Big Ten, so we have to root for them. But I do think that when Nebraska was all by itself, taking a bunch of arrows from everybody, 
you know, Ohio State stepped up and said, you know, if, if they're going to fight this fight, then we're going to fight the fight with them. And I respect that. And they, they played incredibly well in their win over Clemson. And I, I think that they've got a really good chance uh, to win that game. I think, I think Alabama's great, but mm-hmm. I, I really like the momentum that they have. Do I think they should have been in there with six games or five games or whatever it is that they got? I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but that's, it's all in the past. But I think it's going to be a really good game, to be honest with you. And I would not be surprised if Ohio State won it. Bill Dolman. Billy D. will check in next Friday. Thanks for the time, bud. All right. Good talk to you, boys. Go Big Red. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Ten Buffet time will... Get into the weekend with some Rick Pizzo. Big Ten Network at BTN Rick Pizzo. Rick, how's the week, man? Thanks for jumping on today. My pleasure. The week is good. The weekend will be better. But honestly, as much as we all love Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, right now our focus is on Monday night. I am ecstatic to hear what about... 2 o'clock Central Time that Ohio State cleared the COVID protocols. Earlier in the day, Alabama cleared the COVID protocols. Title game is set, man. Monday night in Miami for all the chips. So your uh, your takeaway from from a week ago, and that is Ohio State and the uh, the woodshed they gave Clemson. You know, we knew Ohio State was really good, really talented. But man, oh man, that mission they on they were on was was special. Let's let's go back in time for a moment. Were you surprised, or did you think this might happen? Not not just a win, but maybe a statement. Yeah, I wasn't surprised necessarily, Chris, that they were able to roll up some points, and I wasn't surprised that they were able to really dominate Clemson on the edges with skill and speed. Clemson's not as good on the outside as they've been in years past, especially defensively. What I was surprised by was how dominant Ohio State was on both lines of scrimmage. That was what really surprised me because I think the common thought is that this Ohio State offensive line is slightly above average. But when you look inside the stats and how good they are protecting the quarterback and how good they've been the last couple of games in helping Trey Sermon run for, what, five and a quarter in the champ game in the Sugar Bowl. And then you combine that with what the defensive line did The most shocking thing to me from the semifinal was that Travis Etienne, one of the best players in America, was a non-factor. Ohio State completely took Etienne out of the game because they were so physical up front. Now, the question becomes, can they do that against an Alabama team who has no questions up front? On either side of the football, Alabama is loaded. They have a bunch of monsters offensively and defensively. If Ohio State can hold its water up front, I think they have a legitimate chance to knock off the Crimson Tide. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hale Varn City Radio, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet at BTN. Rick Pizzo, that's the question. And and I know Ohio State's uh, is about as physical as you get, but Ohio, but but Bama is right there. And with, with the Ohio State front seven, how does that match up with the Bama offensive line? Because man, that unit's really really talented. Yeah, I mean, Alex Leatherwood's a guy who's going to be one of the first picks off the board. I mean, you look at their offensive line, and they're not young men. They're grown blank men, every single one of them. I mean, those guys are just dump truck, bulldozer, bulldozer, run you over every single play. 
But I was really impressed by Ohio State on the outside. I thought Jonathan Cooper played one of the best games of his life. You know, the big criticism of Ohio State's defensive line this year was not on the inside. I mean, Haskell Garrett is an all-Big Ten. It got some All-American nominations on the inside. Their D-tackles were outstanding all year. The criticism and the question was, could they hold up on the edges against teams that can get to the edge? And Alabama can certainly get to the edge with, with Najee Harris. But the answer is yes, because even without Chase Young, the generational talent of a year ago, even without Nick or Joey Bosa, that defensive end position held up remarkably well against Clemson. If they can hold up in that fashion or even close to that fashion against Alabama, then I think they'll be okay. I do think there is a little bit of a concern if the offensive line of Alabama is able to get to the second level and you have linebackers like P. Warner and Tuck Borland, can those guys hold up? That's my bigger question, not the D-line. If, it's, if it gets to that second level, do those three-yard runs become seven-yard runs? Because that's what Alabama does. They wear you down, wear you down, and then boom, the next thing you know, Devontae Smith is down the side for 50. So that's one of the big concerns, I think, for Ohio State heading into this one. Rick, uh, are you concerned at all uh, about fields? Do you think the, the health situation, by the time things we hope get get okay protocol-wise, health and, and body, do you think Fields is going to be okay? I mean, the guy played out of his mind after the injury. Yeah, man, he's been in the cryo, the hyperbaric. They've been, you know, <laughs> IVing him coconut water. I mean, whatever it takes, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, he was not just good, not just great. He was historically good in that Clemson game. I mean, I thought that he made every throw that he had to make. And more important than that, he made every decision. He made it quickly. He made it decisively. And he made it correctly. Now, Alabama will make it difficult. They will change things up in that defensive backfield. They will give you a ton of looks. I mean, Patrick Sertan, one of the best defensive backs in the country, roaming around out there. That being said, Chris, i got to tell you, I would take this Ohio State wide receiving core against any defensive backfield in the country every day and twice on a national championship Monday because I think you throw Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in there and look at what they do with the tight ends. Three tight end touchdowns against Clemson. I think this Ohio State pass game is as good as it's been, whether it was with Dwayne Haskins or any other quarterback in recent memory. I think Ohio State can exploit Alabama as long as Justin Fields has that extra half a second to throw the football. Well, play action will be interesting, and uh, you get the run game going with Sermon, and uh, I don't know how much you'll want to run Fields based on his health. but his, You don't. Uh, right, I know, but it was so nice in different parts against Clemson and all season long, that, that one-two punch if you wanted it uh, with the quarterback run game, but different situation. Rick, I want to kind of shuffle forward to, to talk a little bit about 2021 and uh, just kind of put a bow on the Nebraska part of things uh, since we haven't talked in a while. And as you look at Nebraska for 2021, what are some things that you think can, can maybe find a groove together for Scott Frost going into year four? What are some concerns? And I want to kind of get your take on, you know, where, where you're at on the Husker offense. Yeah, I think spring ball is going to be really interesting and really important for Nebraska this year, maybe more important than for other schools inside the Big Ten. Will spring ball happen? 
And if it does happen, will it happen in a normal way? I think that really hurt Nebraska in 2020. I, I really do. There's, there's going to be a quarterback competition either way. And I think without a true spring and with that truncated fall and the back and forth, I think it kind of exacerbated that competition in a bad way. I mean, both guys obviously had great moments, but you know, Scott told us flat out, yeah, I want one guy I can rely on, and I don't have that right now. You know, I watched Adrian against Purdue, and he was outstanding, and the next week he needs to go to the bench for a while. So you know, these kind of things are the kind of things that need to be figured out in spring, not in fall. And folks say, but it isn't the fall for all that. No, no, no. That's what spring is for. The coaches will tell you, every coach will try to tell you this you know, misinformation. We don't have any position set until we're done with fall camp. That's not true. They don't have position set. They don't have decisions on personnel heading into spring camp. For the most part, personnel decisions are done by the time you get to fall. Then it's just a matter of perfecting the schemes that you're putting in in the spring. And when you are running an offense as complex as the offense that Scott Frost wants to run, it is vital that you have that spring to decide on personnel and to get the blueprint set for that scheme. And then you perfect it in the fall. And that's why I say I think the spring and the fall will be as important for Nebraska's offense especially as it will be for any unit in the Big Ten heading into 2020. Cam 2021, Taylor, I should say. Cam Taylor, Britt, JoJo Doman are coming back. We'll know here in the next few weeks what happens with Honus at linebacker and Stilly, but you, you could have some major pieces back for Chenander. Yeah. Were you surprised by the defense in a good way? I mean, I thought they, I, I thought they did really well aside from the Illinois game. That's been the talk, at least the silver lining of 2020 is, you know, the the, the defense what they did, how, be- how much better they were against the run. Was that something you were expecting this year? They were a pleasant surprise to me, Chris. There's no doubt about it. I mentioned the Purdue game you know, with, with Adrian and how well he played, but remember what they did defensively in that game? I mean, against Rondell Moore and David Bell, two outstanding wide receivers. Janander said, you know what, I think our defensive backs are good enough to go one-on-one, and I'm going to just put all sorts of pressure on Purdue's quarterbacks. And it worked Perfectly Now, Purdue doesn't have a world-beater offensive line, but I love the aggressiveness, and I think maybe that was the first time that Eric felt like he could do that with this defense. And with Taylor Britt, with JoJo coming back, then you can do that again. And listen, Michigan State became Michigan State, and Ohio State defensively got so much better when they had that kind of talent in the defensive backfield because it allows you – to do so much more, right, with your front seven. It allows you to run schemes and stunts and disguise blitzes in a way that you can't if you have to play zone and if you have to drop a linebacker or you have to keep both safeties back. Nebraska got away from doing that late in the year, and I think the only reason they were able to do that was because they felt so comfortable with what they had back there, with pieces like that coming back. If you can do that again, then I think this defense may be ready to take another step in 2021. Rick, I want to go to the coaching carousel, and you've got reports out of Michigan with Harbaugh, maybe uh, less money, but an extension in the works, and maybe there wasn't as much interest, perhaps, from the NFL for Harbaugh. Maybe there was, and he just wants to finish the job in Michigan. What's your takeaway with things as we're kind of awaiting an announcement and perhaps an extension? 
Yeah, my understanding from multiple sources that are very close to this program is the extension is coming, that it's probably going to be five years, that it's probably going to cut his base salary almost in half, but that it's going to be incentive-laden. So a trip to a Big Ten championship game or certainly a college football playoff could help him recoup almost all of the additional $4 million because, remember, his base salary last year was $8 million, which is too much for anybody, really, except probably Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and you know the Ohio State coaches right now. But at the end of the day, Michigan has to find a way to compete for a championship. They have to find a way to beat Ohio State. They have to find a way to beat top ten opposition. I mean, you can't just beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then lose to all of your marquee opponents and get run over by your big-time rival in Ohio State. So things have to change. They have to change quickly. And I think one key is my understanding is that this buyout that is going to be restructured on this extension is going to be remarkably low for a coach being paid that money, that much money at a power five school. So that's certainly something to keep in mind in case these results don't necessarily increase and improve over the next couple of years. Rick Pizzo's with us. We'll have a few more minutes on uh, Rick. We'll get into some Urban Meyer thoughts, some Big Ten basketball, the uh, Rick Pizzo Big Ten buffet power ranking is a very real thing. And some thoughts on the Huskers. They've got Indiana on Sunday. Some more NFL. Elijah sharpening up his picks for the weekend. And we will do the steak and a beer bet here before we say goodbye. Friday edition, it's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Pizzo's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Big Ten Buffet. Rick, uh, you're going to be part of the, uh, the the national championship coverage with the network, uh, and uh, your colleagues will be down uh, in Miami as well. And, you know, Urban Meyer meeting with Jacksonville today. How, what sense do you get as far as him missing coaching versus the new role that he's phenomenal at with that analyst hat on? I think Urban misses coaching. I think every coach that is as invested and as successful as Urban was during his coaching career is going to, at some point, have the itch to get back in it. I don't necessarily think there's another college job out there that could necessarily interest him. You know, he said long, long and many times that the only reason he returned to college coaching was because it was Ohio State. And I'm just not sure that he would be willing to go back on that. Now, the NFL offers something completely different, and Jacksonville offers something completely different. You have a ton of cap space. You have the number one pick, which is likely to be Trevor Lawrence, a franchise quarterback. You have potentially the option to have some decisions when it comes to personnel. If all of that is there and you have the history in nearby Gainesville with the University of Florida, it would be remarkably appealing. Now, Urban works with us. I can't honestly say that I know Urban well outside of a professional sure. standpoint. And Urban is certainly a guy that keeps things to himself. So I don't have any inside information as to whether he is leaning toward or against returning to the NFL. But I will say this. I think this situation, if there were ever a situation that would appeal to a guy as successful as him at the college level to move on to the NFL, this would be that situation. Brett Bielema back in the Big Ten, and uh, you covered Brett uh, a number of years, and he had a ton of success at Wisconsin uh, and uh, is back at it after being in the NFL. 
How how good a hire is this for the Illini? You know, Josh Whitman took a lot of criticism for this hire, and I, I don't really understand why. You know, Brett had average success at Arkansas in a really difficult spot. It was a weird job for him to take, and I think he'd probably be the first one to tell you that. There's a lot of money on the table, and I felt like he believed it was time for him to get out of Barry Alvarez's shadow at Wisconsin. That's all that was. It wasn't about anything more than that. They went to a couple of bowl games in a division in the SEC that was almost impossible to win in, and Josh Whitman hired a guy who has not just had success coaching, but had success coaching inside the Big Ten and had success coaching against the group of teams that is now what we really consider to be the Big Ten West. So why did this hire receive a ton of criticism? Maybe because Brett became a caricature for some people when he went to Arkansas, maybe because of the quick departure and the way that he did it before the Rose Bowl. I don't know. I think he's a terrific football coach. I think he's an outstanding recruiter. I think he's a guy who is going to play in a way that you can recruit talent and win inside the Big Ten because you're going to see a ton of running. You're going to see a ton of strong, big offensive line, and you're going to see teams that are opportunistic defensively, which is exactly what Wisconsin was under his tutelage. It's not going to be a two- or a three-year rebuild. This is a four- or a five-year rebuild, much like I said when Scott Frost took over at Nebraska. But I think ultimately Brett Bielema will be successful in Champaign. Last thought, Rick. Uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet time. Your uh, Big Ten basketball power rankings, give me your top four. I know Michigan's still unbeaten, but you've had a lot of teams put on a show this week. I mean, Iowa in Fuego, Illinois was incredible in their comeback, and Michigan was hot. Nebraska is obviously looking for their first win Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to kind of go the safe route here, and I'm going to I'm going to have a tie at one and a tie at three. I'm not sure right now that I can separate Iowa and Michigan. I know that Michigan is the unbeaten team in the league, but their schedule has not matched up with what other teams have had to deal with to this point. Iowa, if you watched their game against Maryland on Thursday night, their offense is surgical. I mean, it was a clinic, and it's not just Luca Garza. It's so many other guys on that team. Joe Wieskamp is outstanding. Bohannon can obviously knock down the three. Jack Nungy's been terrific. Keegan Murray has been a terrific find. So I think Iowa and Michigan right now are the top two teams, but I don't think that Wisconsin and Illinois, who are the teams I would have right now tied at third, are very far behind. Wisconsin found a way last night against Indiana. It's what they kind of do. They have a guy in Demetri Trice, who I know he's behind Luca Garza right now, but is a sleeper for Big Ten Player of the Year. I really think he's that good. And did you see, Chris, what Illinois did in the second half against Northwestern last night? I'm honestly not sure I've ever seen a more dominant 20 minutes. of. They outscored Northwestern by 40 in the second half. Northwestern shot 8%, had 13 points. Kofi Colbert had 13 points by himself. If Colbert and DeSumo played to their potential, Illinois is a Final Four team. You're not wrong. I mean, they went off. They were down. They flipped the switch, and they were that good and, and got that hot. And, and we know what, what Northwestern is this year. I mean, there's a, there's a long road to yet travel in the Big Ten basketball season. That said, Northwestern's really pleasantly surprised many because they, they've, they've kind of reloaded or bounced back. They look uh, way more competitive than the last couple of years, and uh, you don't sneeze at that on top of the rivalry factor within Illinois. Uh, real quick with Fred, Nebraska was better against Sparty, less threes, uh, maybe a little bit better of uh, the conversion rate, but Nebraska is still just 
been uh, been been tough to handle uh, with uh, with their their Big Ten schedule, and Fred's going to keep chopping wood. I know that, but man, it's it's been tough for Nebraska basketball fans. Listen, that's what it is, right? I mean, you want to see improvement. There has been some. You want to see consistency. There have been moments of consistency and moments of inconsistency. The trouble is exactly what you said it is, Chris. You're doing it against not just the best conference in the country, but the best conference in the country in one of the best years that that conference has ever put together. I mean, they have, I believe, 13 of the 14 Big Ten teams, Nebraska being the only outlier, were in the net top 50 heading into yesterday, and four out of the top ten. I mean, you've got to deal with that on a regular basis, and you're rebuilding a team from basically the ground up. It is going to take a while. So I think this year is really more about attitude. It's really more about small improvement. I don't think you're going to see a record that's going to be anywhere reflective of Fred wants to be for a couple of years, and I think that's okay. Rick, you have a great weekend. Uh, looking forward to your coverage Monday. Thanks for the time today. My pleasure as always, Schmitty. Be good, bud. Got to love the Big Ten Buffet King. That is Rick Pizzo. Great uh, coverage coming up with BTN and uh, Ohio State and Alabama. We're going to have a, a Lars Anderson sighting. Talked to Lars last night. He's going to be jumping on with us before Bama and Ohio State kickoff. You're going to hear you're going to hear uh, full coverage of the national championship. Uh, right here on ESPN Lincoln. Also, uh, our affiliate out in central Nebraska will have uh, coverage with their ESPN affiliate, uh, uh, 1460, 1550, Bama, Ohio State. Excited for that. Going to be good, uh, a good day uh, of college football. Let's hope the game can, can live up to and exceed what type of roller coaster the season has been. You want a, you want a roller coaster of a football game but you want to go out with uh, a thriller. I hope that's the case. And let's be honest, you didn't get a a tight game with Ohio State and Clemson, and, and I think a lot of you were okay with that. I mean, you saw Ohio State just explode. So Damon uh, Barr is in tomorrow morning for the weekend edition. We're giving Elijah Herbal a chance to not destroy his alarm clock. But we have a big moment coming up. It is the steak and the beer Friday bet. Elijah Herbal. Schmitty. We will see who has bragging rights on Monday. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, I'll be over uh, across the way on KFOR tonight, Southwest and Pious Boys Basketball. 720 pregame. Elijah will be duct taped into the uh, other studio uh, producing that game. Myself and Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith will have that. So it is time for the steak and the beer bet. Before we say goodnight on a Friday, fair to say best game of the weekend supposed to be Baltimore, Tennessee. Uh, I'd agree with that, but I do have a proposition. Oh, my dude, that can get you some uh, jail time, but go ahead. We still have three minutes here. Some, some really good games. Talk, we talk, could talk. just pick a winner from every single game and see who, see who has the better record at the end of the weekend. We're going to do points or what? I mean, it's up to you. What we're going to do is we're gonna, if we want to do the traditional one, I'm fine with we'll, that. We'll too. do we'll do a mini forecast okay. for bragging rights. Okay, and 
and then we'll do a game steak for a steak and a beer. Okay. Good? Cool. You know, okay. bragging rights for record, and then we can do the steak and the beer bed. Uh, Buffalo beats Indy. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, curb stomps Cleveland. Can Tennessee get it done? Well, that's twice. Can ten- we'll, 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 we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Can Tennessee get it done twice in Baltimore in the same season? Give me New Orleans heavy. Give me Tampa narrowly. And I don't want to pick Seattle. I just think Goff is too injured to be worth a damn. And they just played, and it was it hurt watching both offenses. Mm-hmm. So I think this thing will be lower scoring. The over-under is 42. I think Seattle wins. Uh, if you had a healthy golf, I think you have a, a Rams team that's not brutal. I mean, they're 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 missing gir- a girly type back, mm-hmm. but their their defense is awesome. I don't know. Maybe Russell uh, Wilson decides to go John Wayne and and force things again. Metcalf's awesome though. Love that guy. So. Let's get to it. Your picks. I mean, I agree with you pretty much all the way. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the only thing that's I, like I got in Bills doubt. over Colts. I got Seahawks over Rams. I got uh, Bucks over Washington. Mm. Uh, Titans, Ravens will come back to. Uh, I also think the Saints beat the Bears pretty good, probably by two touchdowns. Uh, and then last one, the one I'll change from you is I'll go Browns over Steelers. Oh, really? I think I don't know without without the head coach. The Steelers team is being cold. Stuff? But did you see Juju Smith Schuster's comments today? Saying like the uh, the Browns are essentially a bunch of nobodies that they just like have new faces every single year and this year isn't going to be any different and I, I think it gives them some motivation I think they have the motivation because of COVID I think the Browns beat the Steelers in a close they one. beat them in back to back weeks huh I think they do it brother I'm going to THC test you <laughs> I just don't think I don't think that happens I don't, maybe Cleveland covers. Well, three and a half, the hook. Well, let's get to the steak and a beer bet though. Okay, it's- let's Tennessee Baltimore. Oh, man. I am going to go with Baltimore. If you, want Buff- if you want Baltimore, I'll take Tennessee happily. Okay, done, done. Done. Uh, three points? Uh, the line saying? is four and a half. And, and oh, God, that sucks because that means I got I to gotta give you four and a half points. That's a three-point ball game, isn't it? I think so. We could go three and a half. We could go three and a half. So if, if, the, if the Ravens win by a field goal, I get it, but everything else is you. Yeah, good. Done. Okay. All right, steak and a beer. Steak and a beer. I got Tennessee, you got Baltimore. All right. High School Hoops tonight over on KFOR Locally. Talk to you tomorrow morning, weekend edition, 7 to 9 on Hale Varsity. Have a good Friday and back at you manana. See you.